True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. Dana, you take this one. I got I to take this call. Yeah, go ahead. Melanie Hudson. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is what it's come to. A million Deutschmarks? Yeah. 200 episodes and cash. now he's just, yeah. Um, and I'm going to, that thing we talked about the other day, I want in. I'll give you 5%. What? Anyway, oh. can I talk about our friend Melanie Hutzel? Yes. My Melanie Hutzel, uh, a great cast member of SNL, 91 and 94. I overlapped with her for a couple of years, David, for three years. Yeah. Um, she was a powerhouse sketch performer on that show. And she's, Southern and uh, and charming. <laughs> like very, very likable. Very likable she was in the show. She still is. We talked about the Oh My God sketch she used to do. Uh, Delta, Delta, Delta. Remember that sketch? She did that. She, Marsha, first of Marsha. all, two things. One is her journey to how she got on the yes. show is very charming and interesting and her relationship with Lauren at that time. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. And then we broke down. We broke down my favorite. Yeah. Uh, one of my phrases, her epic sketch that she shepherded, she wrote was uh, the Partridge family. Versus the I Brady Bunch. Versus the Brady Bunch. It was huge. And how she got that mounted. Who did you play in that? One of my favorite ones ever. I was on the drums and I was not happy Were about you it. then, which? I was, I was Chris, David Cassidy. I was Chris Partridge who, I didn't know if he's in the credits. He was a fucking, uh, basically a day player. They didn't use him. He'd be running around scenes with no lines. And then oh. they go, Spade, you play him. Get on the drums. And we'll make sure Sandler and Far and, and uh, Sandler was in. Yeah, it. and you all blocked me. Farley was Ruben Kincaid. We had Farley. It was like twelve people in this sketch. And we, <laughs> we go moment to moment. I I played David Cassidy in case I didn't get that out. It was great. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, so let's anyway, let's join Melanie Hutzel. Melanie Hutzel is here. We're, we've got our technical issues out of the way. Believe it or not, Melanie, are you are you a, a morning DJ? <laughs> she's surrounded by that's what keyboards. it looks like. She's got four microphones and a three pianos. Yeah, my husband and I we like to jam, you know, just for for as recreation. No, my husband is a composer, um, and so we have our he has his little studio down here. Sexy, <laughs> I know, isn't it crazy? No, we do. This used to be our kids' playroom. Mm -hmm. and it's now his studio. This is where I do my fun self-tape auditions. Hello, I just love Melanie Sagaftra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so a lot happens. A lot happens in this room. Isn't it nice? You have uh, some V drums in the background. I see virtual drums. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you like yeah. to buy them? <laughs> uh, I already made a bid through Greg Holtzman. I actually yeah. made a bid on them. It's a whole Wi-Fi thing. I, I know your address. Uh, no, no, no. My, I, have yes. a, I have a keyboard in my house, but I play like a, you know, a little kid and guitars. And, you know, I, I 
do that. I do that stuff. I know you, what you do, Dana. Yeah, Dana. Chopping broccoli. Oh my God, you you said I'm it before still I chopping. said it. She chopped. She chopped. She chopped. That was literally one of my most favorite sketches ever, along really? with most of the rest of the world. Right? <laughs> I chopping broccoli. It was so. It was so uh, dumb. Uh, just, That's just why. naive <laughs> commitment. It's either really stupid or really clever. Uh, it's like the whole idea. You can't get it out of your head. Is it chop. different every time? Like, she chop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by this point, if I'm doing stand up and they yell for it at the end, I have the guitar. It, it's 10 minutes. She chop. She chop. I mean, it just goes. It's like 20 minutes of just chop. Uh, I love that. I love that. So. Melanie Hutzel and I and David actually shared the Saturday Night Live stage from 90 or 91 to 90. I left 93, but I was there three years with Melanie, David, maybe yeah. four. And I watched. I'll just cut to one of my favorite things you've done. And I watched hey. it this morning, sure. which was the I, I, I looked at it today and I go, that is a perfect sketch. Wow. Oh, Some my sketches gosh. are like, OK, I can't imagine it being better for what it was trying to do. And it is. Written by Melanie Hutzel and whoever else. Wow. Okay. Brady Bunch vers versus the Partridge family. Susan Day was the host. Wow. Yeah. No, that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Tell yeah. us how you conceived that. David was on drums. We were in the Partridge family band. <laughs> and I was David Cassidy with a guitar. So tell us how that came about, that sketch. And also, real quick, Chris Farley was Ruben Kincaid, which All was right. one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. moments. Um, and, and he grabbed that, and kissed Julia Sweeney aggressively, yeah. right? At one point, you know, Chris, he would tend to commit. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Jan Brady was one of the characters that I came to the show with. And Marcy Klein was absolutely obsessed with the Brady Bunch. So I had that going in my favor. Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. <laughs> Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. And um, so I remember that that week, it, I, you know, Susan Day was coming. And so there was all kinds of talk around around the office. And I knew I needed to produce and come up with something cool. And, and I remember Marcy Klein just kind of like showed up in the in the hallway, just at, at, at some like weird moment, she just appeared and she was like, um, Melanie, uh, as you know, Susan Day is our host this week and uh, we're expecting a lot <laughs> and you need to get it done. Jesus. <laughs> Funny. And, that does and for people like who don't know, because <laughs> we're supposed to do this, you know, it's like radio DJs. Uh, Melanie was famous for doing Jan Brady and toured with the Brady Bunch. Uh, you know, you were that Did was you your tour thing. after or before. Yeah, uh, kind of before, during and after ish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I say that about Marcy Klein, but the truth is she was a huge part of me getting on the show. So thank you, Marcy. We she love was Marcy. the den mother, the psychiatrist, the go-to person, the handholder of the guest host. I mean, she was like a, a big, big presence in those years. Oh, right. absolutely. So yeah. who cracked the code of like Brady Bunch versus Partridge Family? It's kind of sitting there. It's just, you need to put well, the Well, you're, you're the Brady Bunch. And then Susan Day came in. She Susan Day comes family. along and then Marcy says her thing. And, and thankfully, you know, sometimes, you know, some people I think would probably, I don't know, I could have just froze up at that point, but it felt good for me to, to have somebody kind of lay it out. Like this is what expe is expected and whatever. And um, so when I was growing up, I used to watch the Partridge family and the Brady bunch back mm -hmm. to back, just like we all, just like <laughs> yeah. you do, just like we all did. Yeah. Unreal. And in my young little, however old mind, watching those shows, I would kind of get the character. They were so the two shows were so much alike that mm -hmm. I would get the characters mixed up. And I also had this fantasy that they lived on the same street and knew each other. <laughs> I had a fantasy about Susan Day, too. Yeah. I don't think it was exactly that. My wife loved David Cassidy. I mean, literally. Sure, possessed. Sure. It was unreal. And But Danny Bonducci was doing those like wisecracker lines. I thought it was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So hilarious. And so I 
uh, just decided at first it was going to be some kind of like dream sequence. And then it just kind of like went from there and became the battle of the bands. Like it just made the most sense. And also it was like, I, you know, I was so excited to do uh, a, a, a sketch that included so many people, like almost the whole cast, I think. That's always a, 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 a sort of yes. a home run to be like, they love it when the big cast thing they put it early in the show. The Half the fun of that is probably, you know, you walk over to desks, you know, you go to offices and go, hey, Farley, do you want to play Ruben Kincaid? He's like, yeah. And then you get to go put everyone in and it's like, you, got, you feel like such yeah. a big deal for a week because you're, and then if people don't know, if you're listening and you don't know, the, um, uh, it's not the show you're, you're sort of your own director, whether you like it or not. So they have you watching a sketch and you're like, I'm watching the sketch rehearse. I don't know one fucking thing I'm supposed to do. I, they go, you direct it. Yeah. Yeah. You're the director. You're in charge of the choreography, pretty much everything. Yeah. You go meet music and then you go meet with the set design and you go to say, they tell you what can to I, design. Yeah, can I just say one thing about it, watching it today based on that is just, I didn't realize until watching it today how funny those songs were and so catchy. But you had us all in the costumes. I had a funny wig on. It's always and funny then right there. I'm saying I'm not a doo-doo. Yeah. And, and we're all smiling and it really just made me laugh. And so that starts a sketch off with so much energy, like a band lip syncing with music, David's the drums. Yes. And then and you I guys come in, it's almost like West Side Story, throwing <laughs> it down. And Neilan had this funny wig, his, his height, and you had all the Bradys there. What was Sandler's character in that? Because he had a... Adam Sandler was P Peter Brady with the okay. with the voice and it's time to change. And he was <laughs> he was so great. He was so, yeah. you guys were everybody was great. But I have to say, coming from the Annoyance Theater in Chicago to Saturday Night Live, like the biggest difference I learned that week <laughs> is that guess what? Not a lot of rehearsal. You know, like like from the background that I had come from, we would, you know, for a performance like that, we would rehearse for yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks. And it was just like, you know, we blocked it. And then, you know, Saturday you do the thing. By the way, blocking rehearsal. doesn't even fucking count. Like no. when you're blocking it, you're just going then there's tape on the floor and there goes everyone's just like it's a dead zone. Everyone's just meandering around eating potato chips. You're like, OK, there'll be a couch there. That's where tape is. Your drums will be over here. And everyone just staring off into space. You're like, okay, we got it. But that doesn't really count as getting it That's, all the smoothness. That, that is that dead zone between Wednesday yeah. at the read through. Yeah, I guess it you got it Everyone's read tired. and like, it's it's gonna be on, right? Yeah, Melanie, okay. Exactly. It's on. Yeah, and then it's on. You're probably getting notes to whatever trims or little things. And also you're going into producer mode. You know that he needs a wig. We need a guitar and you have people helping you, but you're driving it. Yeah. And then like to David's point, you run it Thursday with no, just kind of on a floor. And at the first two times the crew kind of chuckles. And by like the seventh or eighth time of just running it, it just feels dead. And then when, and then Friday you do it again with a little more cameras. Maybe if you're lucky. And no one's laughing and it no. feels even more dead. And then by Saturday afternoon, it's all getting the costumes on and trying to do this rushed thing. And so by the time you get to the dress show, the practice show, full tilt, yes. you feel like this is a we don't have any chance. And then finally, you have a fresh audience. Yes. And it, yeah. <laughs> no, I always Dana, need you, one more day, one more rehearsal. Because by the I, I've been on air going, I can't, I don't even know where I'm supposed to go. What's happening? You know, <laughs> I don't even know my character. I, don't I, know. I did see, not to jump away, but I, I saw one with us just now was uh, Delta, 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 and um, with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> and, <Yes>. and <laughs> I walk into a scene with Woody and I literally drill a hole in the ground with my eyes to look for my mark. It was so unprofessional and embarrassing. That's all I saw. I go, what am I doing? Am I looking for my mark? And I hate when people do that in movies. They walk into a scene, look down, then look back up. I go, all right, you're on your mark. But I, but I got scared because I said, oh, my God, I just did it. It really, it took me I out watched that, that one, too, this morning. I did a deep Melanie Hutzel dive. And I thought that was part of your character, kind of just looking down, like being kind of oh, trying yeah. to be sort of seductive. <laughs> you like made James it work Dean. for the sketch. Dave. Remember when I go, ah, maybe we could get your books, uh, get those exam notes. And I go, let's meet up later on. Seriously, me and you can maybe. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's so funny. So, no, but Melanie, literally. Yeah, go ahead. Just to finish, I just want to finish off your uh, what happened with you with uh, 
No, Brady I was Bunch just listening you listening to you run through like what happens in the process of all that. And I'm like mm-hmm. starting to have a panic attack. Like, oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, me along with Sarah Silverman and I think Jay Moore started having panic attacks during Saturday Night Live. He but, does you know, have I'm, panic attacks. That's right. And you should have been having them, too. Yeah. Everyone should have a panic attack. If you literally get a handle on what you're doing and, you know, <laughs> and how under rehearsed you are. And then you've got all that many people watching it it's like no it's it's yeah it's it's live theater on drugs it's more normal (laughs) to have a panic attack if you don't have one something's wrong yeah jay moore told me he goes spade i know i go he came on i didn't know him well but i said it is tricky and maybe you know the first couple read-throughs you're just getting your legs and even if you have good sketches sometimes uh you know, they don't always get on and it feels unfair. And he goes, I, I know the whole drill, dude. I've heard all the stories I got. I go, okay. I go, I just had a tough time with it, you know? Yeah. And and then he goes, first thing he goes, he had a sketch kind of high and read through, I think. And then it did pretty well. You know, it was sort of like a toss up and it didn't get on. And he goes, right. that that's okay. That's how it works here. And then uh, two shows later, he it happened again. And then the third show, he goes, what the fuck is going on? I think fucking killed. <laughs> And I go, here we go. And then by the fourth one, he had a panic attack. And oh, he goes, God, Dude, he panic went attacks. from anger go, Well, it's a little panic. quicker than normal, but yes, that we all do. You're, you're not feeling any different than anyone. Well, what yeah, happens exactly. is you're on the show a lot on one Saturday. The next Saturday, you're not in it much. And then you have well-intended friends on the phone saying, they fucked you, man. They yeah, fucked you. Yeah, you're the funniest one. I wanted yeah, to see I, more of you. I was not seeing enough of you. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Nothing that you're saying is helping. One time um, Lauren brought me in. He goes, and I'm sure he's done this every cast member. He's sitting there opening his, you know, lifesavers. He goes, you know, David, everyone's going to tell you you're the funniest one in the show. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, the first half, I go, they are saying that. And then I go, oh. He told okay. me that story as well, but it was about you. <laughs> Dana, everyone's going to say, they set David. me up. <laughs> David Dana. But I want it, Melanie, I want it just because that sketch killed so hard uh, and you let it. How did you feel like, did you, like when you're on the air show and it's happening, like with, for, from your point of view during the air, was it like, okay, this is in its own way peaking right now? Because that is a great feeling when you know it's gone well. How did you feel personally? It's funny that you bring that particular sketch up because that was that was definitely like my favorite sketch that I did on Saturday Night Live. It was my favorite moments on the show. But at the same time, I I, I couldn't feel my body. <laughs> uh, it was it was very surreal, very like out of body experience because mm-hmm. you know it's like I've been playing to a ninety nine seat theater in Chicago called the Annoyance Theater, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I was one of the co-founding members of that theater. And, uh, you know, and you you felt like a rock star because it was 100 people in this tiny little room. And then all of a sudden you're on national television. You think it can't get any bigger and then it gets 100 times bigger. And but the other crazy thing is you go to the rap party and you're flying on cloud 10 and then. The next day, they're like, all right, Tom Hanks, host, what do you got? And you're like, is it over yeah. already? Like, nobody yeah, what else you got? To. Start over. What do you got? And he goes, yeah. Melanie, you didn't write anything. Why not? You go, fuck, I'm still riding my high from last week. Melanie, Absolutely. Did, did you like, because you have an entrance in this sketch. Uh, are you behind the slat? Are you in character kind of like talking to yourself as Jam Brady? Oh, my God. You know, are you... <laughs> Like, like doing it and then you walk into the scene and try not to think too much. I mean, how do you do you do that? Because I'll sometimes try to like talk to myself under my breath during the commercial break, like or something to think to get into SNL. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Or are you like Melanie and then I'll see you in a second and go out? Are you kind of like just trying to just be Jan Brady or you just. Oh, no, I was definitely in character leading up to that sketch. To be honest with you, I can't remember if I had anything else to do in that show it was possibly like the only thing but this is like so random and weird but uh so i had the jan brady wig mm-hmm. the the little ringlet curls in the front that was my actual hair and so me doing those curls myself was always a huge sort of crossover from melanie hutzel to, to jan brady it's like the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> but also when you're waiting to go in, we've done that with sketches or I have, a, you're waiting to go in, you're trying to think of it, but it's almost better to be light on those weeks because 
you're thinking of, you're watching the sketch and you're probably going, all right, is Spade, he's got a line. Okay, Dana's good. Okay, so far so good. You almost can't even think like, oh fuck, I have to go walk into this actual sketch on TV in one second. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I will say this, I have to hand it to Adam Sandler that uh, just just there on the floor, like before sketches and sometimes after sketches, he he would often go, you're going to be awesome. <laughs> you're going to yeah. be awesome. You're going to you be got, awesome. Kid. You, got yeah. this, you, you got this hutzel. Like, don't worry about it. You're so funny. <laughs> you're so funny. Uh, this is probably a terrible impersonation of Adam. That was pretty good. <laughs> my oh, oh, I don't do Adam. I do Adam's character. I will. Oh, oh, oh you know, that guy. <laughs> David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, it's made from human-grade ingredients. Safe, clean kitchens, all that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why Why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes dogs. much lower quality. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it in their bowl and they go, what is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, Really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm -hmm. So Farmer's Dog isn't just higher no. quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And which is one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't <laughs> matter if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Can I just tell a quick story about Adam? Just like for a Absolutely. quick minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> take your time. My husband, take your time. Well, it's just, it's such an insane thing. And I don't know if anybody has ever talked about this or if he's ever told this on himself oh but okay um little 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 tidbit little trivia about adam sandler was that he i walked into the women's bathroom one time i like it already okay. and there was a dude in the bathroom i'm calling my attorney keep going <laughs> was he taking a dump <laughs> yeah that's where he would hide. That's where he would go. And I was like, cause I could see his big old shoes, like his sweatpants. Yeah. And, I was like, and I was like, oh. I was like, oh my God, no. I was like, Adam. And he was like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello. No, not Adam. And I was like, Adam, gross. Oh my God. What are you doing? It took me one more minute. And so he did that. And then later I called him on and he was like, it's cleaner. It's cleaner in the girls' bathroom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Funny. I know so that. Crazy. Yeah, I think Jeremy Irons did the same thing when he guest hosted. No, I'm making that up. <laughs> Melanie, I have a question for you. Hello, I'm just using the loo here for a moment. Yeah. When you, when, it, now that you're saying it, Susan Day hosting, it seems like why, I, and I love Susan Day, but why Susan Day then? I can't remember. Was she in LA Law? I think she was on LA Law. At that time. And she yeah. was the reason Johnny Carson got mad at me. Because we did a Carson on that show. Oh. And Johnny, I didn't write this part, but apparently Johnny didn't know the Partridge family was off the air. So I understand you're on the Partridge family with uh, David Cassidy. How is that show? You know, and she'd already <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> so Johnny you're didn't so like that uncool. sketch. That Don't blame so him. Oh, so, wow. Um, anyway, That's it all the goes full circle. Absolutely. And I was going to say, it's like, it's such an interesting thing about impersonations. It's such a, it's such a fine line of like, 
it can be the greatest thing in the world or you can really hurt somebody's feelings. I know. And I, I was not aware of it then. I'm more aware of it now. Like I might hurt that person well, if I did doing it, it to be funny, even if you really like the person like Dana loves Paul McCartney, Dana loves all these people and he does them and you don't know there's a part because you have to exaggerate an impression and there's a part of the person that probably gets their feelings hurt. But you think, oh, isn't it cool? I do you because you're really getting all the benefit and the person right. just looks like an asshole. <laughs> so well, no, totally. Johnny I know, liked yeah. it, but but he liked the impression. But that particular one, uh, I it tweaked him a little bit. And and that must have felt absolutely like crazy to have Johnny Carson be upset with you. You know what, Melanie? <laughs> like, I mean, like now that I really think about that, I'm like, I cannot well, even imagine. Uh, and I want to hear your stories too, because that's that's SNL either running into a host or whatever. Just these surreal moments upon moments upon moments, and that would be one of them. Like, really? No. Well, Me? I mean, <laughs> you know, just surreal. So, yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, you know, because I because of my age at the time, I was playing like pretty much any and every young teenage yeah. girl that was on television at the time. One of them being Tori Spelling now. Right. And then after I had done SNL, I think for a year we were doing the Real Life Brady Bunch here in Los Angeles at the Westwood Playhouse. And she came to see the show. And like backstage, everybody was like, mm. Tori Spelling is here. She's here. Oh, my God. Exactly. And she came up to me after the show and she was like, I love you. I think you're really funny. Like, don't even worry about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was good. And then another particular scenario that I still have am haunted by oh, was. Good. Impersonate, impersonating my Bialik because mm. oh, okay. it was just, there were some things about that, that namely um, a prosthetic nose, oh yeah, uh, which was uh, so um, offensive. Fuck, we didn't think twice about so that many. back then. You just wanted to get a big laugh and then you just are like, oh, that's so funny, it works. And then you, you rarely think, oh, this person, when I did that one with Owen Wilson's nose looking like a, a dick, and uh, and then they said you have to change it between dress and air. It looks too. It's exactly a dick. And prosthetics was like okay, okay. And then I was in something else, and we had to go deal with this other fire we had to put out. And I was walking into the sketch, going, "Oh my god, we never fixed this before oh, air." No. So it's like fifteen seconds. I go, "Ah, ah, ah, I, what can I do?" So I just go out there and do it. And um, and I don't know. I think Owen wasn't in love with that impression anyway, because it was like he did. it was thrown to me. It wasn't one of the ones I do. It's just like you play him, you, you know, you do this. I was I, hosting. I, I got to know him a little bit through Kevin Nealon before the pandemic and a really nice guy. And I asked him about people doing impressions and he has such an interesting cadence. It's <laughs> such a, you know, and I said, well, what do you think of people doing it? You know, and he's like, well, you know, uh, I really prefer that they wouldn't, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, yeah. so I don't really do him if he's listening now, <laughs> Owen. Well, we'd like to have him hey, on the show. About but he's such a, a, a But that, that's a, to your example. I just know him now, so I wouldn't want to hurt him. The thing right now is just how to do Joe Biden, because if you do it a little too heavy handed, are you making fun of an elder citizen or, or you know, that one's a oh, little tricky. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. and, and one more thing I'll say about Mayim is that um, I did sort of hear through the grapevine that, you know, of course, she was a teenager at Ooh, the time. Even worse. So that's very different. Yeah. And I heard that, mm. you know, she really got her feelings hurt. And um, years and years and years went by. And I'm going to tell the, the short ver version of this. Take but... your time. <laughs> I love these stories. We have to kill yeah. eight and a half hours. No, I, I, I really was haunted by it. And um, hmm. I, I felt I felt terrible. And. Uh, my my husband is Jewish, and but we were just dating at the time, and we we went to a synagogue in Westwood, and I saw her, and like my heart started pounding, and I was like, I, I got to talk to her, I got to mm. talk to her, and then th by the time I got to her, she was already gone, and I was like, oh dang, and then like another couple of years go by, and I actually see her at an audition, and. Uh, we were auditioning oh. for the same role and I can't even remember what that was, but we were sitting on a couch together and like she, she hadn't looked up from her script. Like she's like studying her lines or whatever. My heart's pounding. 
Mm. Ah, I know. And then finally, I just, I, I, I was like, Maya, and she was like, yeah. And she goes, oh, hi. And I, and I was like, oh. hey, I just want to say something to you. And I said, I did an impersonation of you on Saturday Night Live. I, I was not happy about certain things. And um, I just want to I want to apologize to you and say that I'm sorry. Like I had tears in my eyes and she mm. looked at me and she was like, I release you. <laughs> really? Oh, that's cool. That's funny. I know. She was like, I release you. And then she was like, I'm not going to say that I didn't feel that back then she said but you know we can let this go and it was just like so nice and that's such a that's almost like a star wars thing i, I wish johnny had said that to me i release you of all <laughs> i absolve you what yeah. who, was, who are you role? running with Nothing's then were you happen. with beth cahill and siobhan was that sort of your squad siobhan fallon beth cahill betty cahill she likes to be called betty now betty cahill hi Be- oh. <laughs> betty cahill <laughs> really betty bc yeah, Betty uh, Cahill uh, was Julia definitely. Julia Sweeney was in there. Yeah, Julia Sweeney, Beth Cahill, uh, Siobhan Fallon. Yeah, those were, those were my. Uh, crew. Ellen Cleghorn. Ellen Cleghorn. I loved mm-hmm. Ellen. I love Ellen now. Looking to save on delivery? Dash Pass from DoorDash is your door to zero dollar delivery fees, and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Are you catching the big game? Or making big mods, going on that first date, or installing that first brake kit, binging that new show, or watching install videos. When you're a real car lover, the choice is obvious. eBay Motors has you covered with over 122 million parts to fit your number one ride or die. Brake kits, turbochargers, LED headlights, exhaust kits, bumpers, roof racks, and engines. Whether you're into the speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has all the parts you need for the ride you love. Plus... At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you met Lauren, uh, this is kind of a funny question. Maybe it's got no good answer, but how long did you wait to meet him? So when um, so when I was working at the, the Annoyance Theater... We were doing the Real Life Brady Bunch, and we were also doing a show called the Miss Vagina Pageant, which was um, obviously, uh, you know, we were making fun of beauty pageants and the objective, the objectification of women. And Is that what they do? Was, I'm sorry, what? Is that what those do in those beauty pageants? I guess they do. <laughs> I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah, a little bit, I David. Never... Um, but anyway, <laughs> we had created this hilarious show. It was all women. And so much fun. And that was my, that's when I sort of developed the sorority character mm-hmm. and uh, played Miss Tennessee. And so, um, you know, SNL scouts were coming through Chicago and, you know, they always go to the typical places. They go to um, Improv Olympic, they go to Second City, but there was an ad in the paper for the show called the Miss Vagina Pageant. And they were like, oh, uh, a comedy with all women. Let's go see see this. Wow, that's cool. They did a deep dive. Okay. Yeah. That sounds and, like kismet or something's going on here. Magic yeah. Fest. Yeah. And so Beth Cahill was in that show. Kate Flannery was in that show. Um, Susan Messing, just so many people. Oh. And so over a period of time, like every week for a while, there was a different SNL scout coming to see the real Brady bunch and the Miss Vagina pageant. And um, 
So then the next thing we know, and we, you know, we're just this tiny theater, you know, um, our artistic director, Mick Napier was just all about the work and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, do you know someone's there? We knew that there were scouts. Yeah. We knew that mm -hmm. there were scouts. And, um, so anyway, <laughs> like this one, I'm week, getting nervous. Just I'm this. nervous. What happened? <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, we, <laughs> so this one week, uh, Mick gets a call and we find out that uh, Lauren Michaels wants to come see the Miss Vagina pageant. Him, the and, man himself. But he can only come see it on a Wednesday night at midnight. <laughs> I was about to say oh. Wednesday at uh, 9 a.m. You're like, oh. <laughs> and he and he would be bringing his friend Quincy Jones. <laughs> Wow. Perfect. Which he is... brought Cher when I auditioned. <laughs> he always brings the biggest celebrity, see how she deals with the pressure. Exactly. Exactly. And so, <laughs> wow. you know, there was like all this weird talk of like, you know, uh, people just felt weird about putting on the show at midnight. Like, I don't know. No, it like sucks. It was, it's too it, late. Man. It was just a strange feeling. And then finally, like, it's like, oh, no, we're doing it. <laughs> We're we're gonna do the midnight show for Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> and so we got that together. We invited every friend and friend of a friend of a friend to come mm, to this okay. midnight show, and um, and he was there. He was there in the front row with Quincy Jones, watching this, you know, crazy show with all these women. And then uh, from there, we found out that four of us would be going to lunch with Lorne and Mike Shoemaker the next mm. day. Mike Shoemaker. Mike Shroomtaker. Now a producer on Zeth Myers. Yes. Yeah. And then three out of the four were flown to New York. Oh, after the lunch, one fell so out. After the lunch. Oh, someone fell out over the Who lunch. Who ordered too many crab cakes? Oh, yes. what a drag. Now, and also- She didn't use a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Wrong for- So I remember after the lunch, finding out that Lauren wanted to talk to me and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so we literally walked along uh, Lake Michigan together. And I remember one of the first questions he asked me was, uh, what do your parents do? He asked me what my mom and dad did. Yeah, and I was like, very Lauren. I know. And it was, yeah. it was, there was something kind of sweet about it, you know? And I was like, well, my dad works at Alcoa aluminum company and my mom is a hairdresser. And, and I was just like, and then I was like, uh, I just want to say right now, I, I want this more than anything. And if, if I were to get this job, I would work harder. I mean, I was just like, blah, blah, you blah, blah, like, literally said just, that. Oh, wow. wow. I don't think yes. anyone says that. That's a good thing to say. I've never heard of anyone saying that, thinking it, but that's, that's good. It really, that's good. You it, said it. It shows probably you. Probably it came off so genuine. It just kind of came out. <laughs> it just kind of. That's like out of a movie. That That's like Norma Ray or something. If I get this job, I'll work harder. I mean, <laughs> can you remember exactly what you said? Like the phrasing? I'll do Lauren. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you what do you what do you think about the show? I mean, do you think you might <laughs> want to be part of it? Are you okay with being uh, famous? If Lauren, if you were to give me this job, I I I want just please understand I, I want this more than anything in the world. And I know you've probably heard that a lot from a lot of other people, but I, I will um I'll work harder than I've ever worked in my whole life and 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 you won't regret <laughs> it. Like, okay, then long happened. long pause and then Lauren says Right. <laughs> um, we're going to go get some mini tacos at the Four Seasons Bar. It's always a walk, Dana. I, Lauren goes, come by the BH Hotel, maybe take a walk. I go, okay. And I walk and he goes, this way. And we're walking. And now it starts getting dark. I go, are we fucking lost? He, he walks so far. I'm like, Lauren, I don't even know if we're in BH anymore. And he's yeah. like, this way, take his, a right. Yeah, he has the 10,000 step thing going. I was at the Beverly Hills Hotel with him like maybe a couple years ago. And I'm driving off and he goes, uh, I go, where are you going? He's just walking. Well, I haven't gotten my 12, 10,000 steps. Oh. But Lauren is a touchstone like that too. for all of us as well. The most eccentric, brilliant, like there's only, there's only one Lauren Michaels. That's why everyone does an impression. Do you have any kind of little bit of impression at all, <laughs> Melanie? My Even impression is my impression is of your impression. <laughs> like, I, like it's just yeah, it's just very 
you know, like once you once you break the code, it's just there's a lot of little different ways to do it. Some yeah. people do it very, very shy, you know. Yeah. Others are like it's really like fucking good. You know, he has a <laughs> has these different rhythms, but your you know, relationship. I, I did with, meet with him. with him every once in a while, like uh, you know, in his to office. Talk, in his office. Just I'm, you two. Okay. Yeah, just the two of us. I you know, I often uh had it in my heart to uh, talk to him about, you know, maybe maybe the women needed a little more airtime type situation, which was mm-hmm. when I really look back on that, like it was, you know, I had a lot of guts. I you guess. are Norma Ray. <laughs> you're, you're you're so honest. Like, uh, Lauren, I, I don't know if you know this, I mean, but we're unionizing the women on the show. What? Yeah. <laughs> I talked to Lauren about that because I and, and we talked to Anna Gosteyer about it, and she said that it just sort of was reflecting societal changes in that from the knots forward there was just more women with getting more airtime and doing more stuff and now eventually the women are playing men like Ted Cruz and stuff so yeah. you were definitely in that pre-era of when it was a little it was harder it was, it was more definitely of a, boys club, a subject you know? that we had, that was brought up a lot I, I remember that I remember even when we did Gap Girls there was a I think Julia was uh, a little sideways about now they're playing girls when we don't have enough parts and it was mm-hmm. like oof I, I i get what she's saying i mean i get it all it was it was you know and it's such a tough place because it's every man for himself and everybody wants to be on everyone and if know. and if every and if if it's not treated fairly there's almost so much you you can do there's only so much you can do and it's all up to everybody above us and it's hard to have a heart to heart with lauren and it's hard to go to lauren and say a complaint in quotes or a a fix or something you'd love to discuss that's a legitimate problem and it takes balls to even. But you know, man, man or woman, he does, he definitely likes sketches where a lot of people were active. And that's why I just fell into church chat accidentally. But then I had Jan Hooks doing Tammy Faye Baker. Yes. You know? And you love to always have Jan in a sketch because she's, she's you know, scores, revered. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like chemistry between two people is, is, you know, that's, that's golden on a, on a, on a live TV show. And, but it can't be forced. It has to, it has to come organically. And, you know, um, anyways, I don't know where I was going. Well, well, who did you connect with the most on the show? Did you, you and Beth, Beth was there one year, but did you have people that you were kind of, uh, like sort of buddies with on the show that you would hang out with the most and, well, I think that was the thing. I mean, you know, I look back on you and Jan Hooks and David, you and Chris Farley and you and all the other guys. You guys had like this chemistry. And so, yes, to answer your question, the people that I had chemistry with were Siobhan mm-hmm. and uh, Betty Cahill. Ellen Cleghorn and I tried we tried for to years do, to we get wrote, a thing, right? To get yeah. a thing going. And it just, it's one of our biggest regrets, or I wish I should speak for myself. It's one of my biggest regrets is that that never happened. Uh, but it wasn't that we didn't try. And mm-hmm. uh, um, so, you know, that's what was interesting about my time on the show was that uh, after that first year, I didn't have Beth and Siobhan mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. had left. And so then you're kind of looking to other people, Julia Sweeney mm-hmm. and some of the guys. Where do I all, fit in? Yeah. Where do I fit in? Because there was the older set, Dana. We, no, you're right. No, we were the veterans. And then and then the I call them the junior varsity. But the new people came in for the first time where you had a cast and then another cast, like, you know, another team ready to go because Lauren didn't want a cast to leave en masse, uh, he did with, you know, so he wanted trainees, so to speak. So that was a, 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 a very intense time to be on Saturday night live. I think in the early nineties, because of all that, I was shadowing Dana, like someone at Arby's or something. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I go behind Dana and just watch what he does and go, okay, when you do it, you got to go like this, you go out there and kill. And I'm like, God, God. <laughs> when Lauren wanted to mess with me, David's ready anytime. You right. know, Cause David, David would sit behind me and read through, you yeah. know, <laughs> no, I mean, it, you, you're right. It was a, an interesting time. And, you know, I always sort of looked to the to the older, you know, all of you guys, um, 
you, Dana, and, and of course, Phil and Kevin Nealon, um, you know, sort of as like this anchor for the show, you guys were settled and had been around. Well, we had a hundred shows under our belt, which is such a hard show to get relaxed to do. You know, Dana, I was watching you on Saturday night live when I was in high school. And then you're there. And and yeah. And in college, like, you know, we did a we did a show at the University of Tennessee called All Night Theater. And my friend Mark Rowe, um, uh, oh, I played Tammy Faye Baker. He played Jim Baker oh. at like three o'clock in the morning. You know, <laughs> And so we were copying you and Jan, oh, and, wow. uh, which See, is that's so what the way I would have thought is like Jan. Tammy Faye Baker has a sister that she never met. And then you, you have dueling Tammy Faye's oh. a sketch. <laughs> And stuff like I that. You. Do you remember a dumb sketch where uh, you, I don't know why I remember this because it was famous people who sing with their dead relatives and you were Tammy Wynette, I think. Yeah. And they go, I'm oh, yeah, not dead. And you go, I'm actually not dead. And I go, that's how rumors get started. <laughs> this is how rumors get started. Yeah, exactly. I remember it because someone, I think Natalie Cole came out with Nat King Cole and Oh, yes. And so yes. we did a whole thing of. Uh, and Chris Farley. Who did Chris Farley play? Oh, my God. Mm. It was so funny. Anybody. Anyway. 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 I, I, that one just stuck Even out Chris my head because I thought. Oh, is there any impression you didn't ever get to do that you wish you got to do? Mm. Or is there something that came up years later? We or were like, accent oh, I or character. Um. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, a French chef, uh, an Italian <laughs> Dana, waitress. You could you probably do every president since, and that would have been fun. Yeah, go you ahead. You know, I always wanted to do, I had all these like Southern characters that I wanted to do that I would bring mm-hmm. to the um, Paula to the Dean. Table. Paula mm-hmm. Dean, Paula Dean, Paula Dean. Oh, Paula Dean, yes. Yet. But I remember there was the sketch. Um, I don't remember that much about it, but Steve Corn and, and I had r- written it together. Great writer. And it was yeah. just called The Country Christmas Show. And I remember that Glenn Close was going to be in it with me. Oh, Glenn Close, yeah. And I remember the song. Mm. And this is how it went. Oh, great. Ready? This is yes. how the beginning song <laughs> Song went, welcome, 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 welcome to my country Christmas show. Hi, I'm Jenny, Jenny Jean Hustle. Like, I literally. Jenny Jean tight jeans. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just made that up. It's already catchy. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. So, yes, I remember the song. That's all I remember. We talked to Tom Hanks and he remembered the whole Subway Surfing song of a sketch we did that I was in and I helped him write and I did not remember one line from it. And, and it he, got cut, right? And it got cut and he sang the whole song. We he like, sang the whole song, just had some photographic Remember that, Dana? I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, that was weird. Isn't it so crazy like what you remember and what you don't remember and then what other people like will point out to you? Like it kind of makes me worry about my brain a little bit every once in a while. But um, I do have a memory about Tom. I remember Tom when- Hanks. When Tom Hanks was on the show and all of this was so, you know, obviously surreal and weird, like talking to these famous people. Yes. For all of us. Yeah. For for all of us. And I remember it was just like, you know, that those weird hours on Tuesday night when everybody's writing their sketches and Mm -hmm. all stressed out. And he's just kind of like walking from office to office, just having fun, figuring out what everybody's going to be doing. And he was just like, he looked at me and he was just like, man, he goes, you're set. You're all set. He goes, you're going to do your sorority girl movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's going to be awesome. And you know, like you're, you've got your career and and he had just come from Adam Sandler's office. So they, they just had this thing of supporting Melanie helping. I know. Um, And I I thought that was so nice of him to say it never happened, but. (laughs) Well, he always, he wanted to be a cast member. He's the least pretentious. uh, I don't know what you would call him. Superstar. I don't know what you could call him today. I don't know. Mega star, but he just has no pretense about it. No pretense. No. And, you know, somebody else no. that was like that was John Goodman. Oh, I, yeah. I love 
he he did the show a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, within the three years that I was there. And I remember the second time he came around, like he asked me, uh, how's Claudia and Steve doing? That's my mom and dad. And I was like, he remembers my parents' wow. names. Well, like, that's so nice. That's next level. The talent to cold read 50 scripts, essentially, on Wednesday as a host and certain ones really stood out. I mean, John Goodman would make in the moment changes or, you know, you get just a bare note. But he was he was a brilliant cold reader. So was Danny DeVito. Hanks. Yeah. So was Alec Baldwin. Fantastic. Alec Baldwin, which maybe you'll relate to this. I think I've said this before, but Victoria Jackson would because he would host occasionally. And she, she goes, not going to happen this week. I go, what? I'm not going to fall in love with him. I'm not going to fall in love with him. Okay, and then yeah. by Friday she go fell in love with him. Oh yeah, his Me eyes. Too. She said she couldn't look at his eyes because they were so blue. Once I oh. saw them, I was in love. <laughs> no, oh that is uh, okay. Yeah. I'll 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 speak to that. He did. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin came into my office and I I couldn't talk. Like he is. <laughs> I like I literally couldn't. I felt like he was so good looking and so famous and um that yeah was like when sharon stone that. was there and all the guys were freaking out and sharon stone comes in her slinky dress comes into your office hi so sweet to everyone everyone's like god damn no one this pretty and famous will ever be in my little room again and her offices if people don't know are so tiny and gross they're just like a gross couch that's been there since Tim Kazarinski. And everyone is like sitting on the same couch year after year after year. And they're like, hey. And they come in there. And some people just beam like superstar, you know, and you're like, holy shit. And oh, they're yeah, always yeah. nice. They're I did a movie nice. with Anthony Hopkins once and just meeting him in this little room in this haunted hotel with Alan Parker. And he was so intense in that voice. It's like, put a camera on this fucking, <laughs> this fucking <laughs> Jesus. But I remember Lauren Michaels speaking of beauty. Paulina Poroskova came in on my first show just to hang out, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, she was sitting in the in the read through and she kind of looked like she had a mask on, you know, and I, it was fun to ask her, what is it like to be you? That's nice. You know, but I remember Lauren saying, you can't marry a face. <laughs> oh, eventually there's like that thing. You get used to the face and then, then you need another face. <laughs> but yeah, those people that are so charismatic, put a fucking camera on them. I mean, I, I just feel like I'm, I, I, there's nothing to me. I'm like paper. I just need a, I need a wig or an accent or something. I, I'm like the invisible man. David has a great voice. He doesn't think I think he does, but I died. You a, know, I think you said it twice. So now I believe you, but I, you have a voice. Uh, Fred Wolf and I talked about that. You have a cool voice, like an interesting voice. You, you do have a, a cool and interesting voice. And I think that, um, you know, it kind of, I mean, when you said that, it kind of makes me think about, like the stand-ups, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the cast was comprised of you have the stand-ups and then mm-hmm. you have the people with the improv background. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. David, you did, you know, stand up. I don't know how long leading up to Saturday Night Live. And then you come on, mm-hmm. you'd been out there for a little several minute, years, yep. several years. And then you have to do characters. Right. Um, but, and then Dana, Dana, you were so amazing at characters and also did stand up. So so I think I don't know. It's something that I've thought about a lot of just like. I feel like a lot of times people who were stand ups that came to the show had a better ability to sort of like. Protect themselves and and look after themselves, you know, mm-hmm. to whereas people from an Im- improv background it's like we're all in this together and i'm not <laughs> and i'm not saying that stand-ups aren't like team I, I, players well look I, okay finish your thought but i have a, a thought about that go ahead yeah i mean you know it's like i if somebody were watching me on the show there's no way that they had any idea who i was as a person because i was mm-hmm. always doing a character yeah and David, when you would go on uh, news update or whatever, people we could see David. Yeah, stayed. we could see who you were. I mean, right? I learned that's why I never thought I'd be on the show because quickly, Dana, I just was thinking I barely was doing stand up and writing stand up and trying to get good at that. I was in the middle. I wasn't even a headliner. So to go on the show, it's a whole new muscle to learn. I wish I could have taken a year of classes of improv to go. 
here's how you do it with these people and here's how you write sketches and get immersed in characters. I think I just resigned myself. I wasn't going to be as good as Dana and all these guys and Phil. So I said, I like the Bill Murray type, not in any way am I as good as Bill Murray, but he was always a little bit of Bill Murray in his sketches. And I said, I think that's the best I can hope for. I'm, I'm sort of a version myself. Mm-hmm. And when I had Hollywood Minute, Lauren was like, do that more. Like, I think he knew I wasn't going to be doing crazy characters. He finally said, just be a version of yourself and that will be easier life for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What did I want to get off my chest recently? Well, it's probably something you got to get off your chest because we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We just keep things bottled up and then it starts to affect us negatively, David. Negatively. Yeah, it was something about when I was merging and the people weren't waving back to me and bothered me. But, you know, that th- mm-hmm. that's a small stress, but it can be bottled up and yep. get bigger. Therapy mm-hmm. is a safe space to get things off your chest uh, and how to yeah. figure out, well, you know, you got to work through whatever's weighing you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and I I was in therapy. I'm there here and there now, but for five years and... You know, it does challenge your thoughts because I'm going to, this is kind of, I don't know if this is profound, but you are your thoughts in some ways. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking redundant negative things or sad things or whatever, a therapist can kind of get you out of that kind of negative pattern. So Mm -hmm. be the best Mm -hmm. version of yourself. Um, You know, and sometimes it can be small things. It can be major trauma. I think either way, Mm -hmm. it's good to talk to someone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just mm-hmm. fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist if uh, you're not into yeah. it anytime, yeah. no additional charge. Mm-hmm. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash F-O-T-W today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash F-O-T-W. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David, and find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, or, bring out, or bring out her mm-hmm. eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You right. give them a little information and they'll go, Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah. We're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant. And it's like, (laughs) they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, Mm -hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue today that's blue so my, my only thing to add to this is that when you're coming up through stand-up the dog eat dog world and the survival mechanism of stand-up the friday night late show where the middle act is trying to knock you off your pedestal and you got to do an hour to drunk people it was just it was it's it's a an emotionally violent sport snl is in a different way so you're coming from that thing that i must kill every time all the time 
And there's good and bad that comes with that. It took me, by the time I was doing Carson, I was, I was relaxed. I wasn't pushing. But my standard in my head of the amount of laughs I should get was like that of a stand-up. But I didn't realize till later doing stand-up in small clubs recently with my sons that I was a sketch player the whole time. There was just no groundlings in San Francisco. All my bits were character-driven which was kind of hard to land, but it's good in a small room. But I do feel like the stand-ups have a dog-eat-dog sort of survival instinct of to kill. Um, and then we learn to be sketch players and play well with others. You know, you don't ever, when you're out there with your friend, you want to you wanna play fair, not, not undercut or overlap. And, you know, with Hans and Franz, you know, I had my friend there with Mike and I in Wayne's World, with Phil and I and Carson. Sandler and I doing the Pepper Boy when I hosted. So the, there was a, such a high for me of getting used to the idea of being in something where someone else is supporting me or when Jan Hooks would do her thing and really loving that, you know. But when you're a, a lone gunslinger, <laughs> you're like, I got to kill and I got to be, be funnier than the other guy. So that's all I had to add. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, when you're when you're by yourself, you don't have anybody else to blame. <laughs> yes. for not getting the laughs or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And the, and the other thing about the standups is like, once you're off the show, you have that to go back to right away and yes. make money. Right. Yes. And you go oh, yeah. right back into your craft. And mm -hmm. so for me, after I came off of SNL, I went back to improv theater and that doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's a different check. Yeah. It's a different it's a different thing. But I did do that uh, when I when I moved out. So to that's Los OK, Angeles. of course. I mean, that's what you're good at. And that's what got you where you were. It's like you got to stay out there. And that's a good way to be to constantly be in front of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I miss it like crazy right now. And uh, I'm hoping to get back into the theater Corona and stuff. Kill that. <laughs> you know, no one thought there would be anything negative about COVID, but there is. There is a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Everyone thought it was going to be so great and it wasn't. No, I know. <laughs> Everybody thought it was going to be so great. Melanie, yeah. I don't know if, uh, Dan, do you have anything else to add? This is very interesting conversation. Uh, thank you for having it with us. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is, uh, uh, illuminating, you know, I, I love hearing how people navigated that and how honest you were with Lauren in two ways. And I, I would say that, uh, you were powerful as a performer when you chose to be. I mean, you you had a really you had a lot of commitment and strength. And that that room is kind of a rock and roll room because all the ambient noise and stuff. So you, you do have to like, you know, project and you had a lot of power and uh, you were so funny. And uh, it was so it, very interesting just hearing your journey through that that land. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for for saying that. And thank you both for having me on your, your new podcast. It's, it, it means a lot to me and it's so, uh, great to see both of you and, and you both meant different things to me at the time when we were kind of like all going through it together. And, um, yeah, I well, mean, uh, you're there's exactly nothing... the way I remembered you as so oh. genuine. He looks exactly the same. Maybe one year. First younger. of all, I just wanted to say there's a Dorian Gray thing going on here with with Melanie, <laughs> but that's OK. The time machine worked perfect. I don't know how you're <laughs> yeah. staying. I, oh, it's so that's youthful. very nice. But um, but um, you you came out very genuine then. I mean, I was in my own kind of surreal world doing Ross Perot and all these things. But I do remember how just genuine uh, and real you were as a person. And there you are. So oh, such well, a that's, pleasure. That is so nice. It's a, it's a pleasure to see you guys. And, you know, uh, it, it, I, I miss it. You know, it's like w once you do Saturday night, Saturday night live, how do you, how do yeah. you follow that? You know, it's, it's just kind of like, it's in your, it's in your being and your spirit. And it's like the one thing that everybody in the world wants to talk to you about. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, when I think about live TV, you know, yeah, there's nothing in the world, not even not even childbirth, honestly, <laughs> that will bring <laughs> you to the present moment mm -hmm. in such a way that is so powerful. And it's just, you know, the three of us are uh, we are three of one hundred and fifty six people in the world that were on that show. I didn't, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that statistic on my own. Uh, I was listening to uh, 
Bobby Moyahan was talking to Mayan Bialik on her podcast. And, and he, he said, said that? that. That's interesting. He oh. said, well, he actually said, um, what, a, what how many of us are there? Like 150? Like, I don't know. And then my husband, Fred, Fred looks it up. Yeah. And and so it's like 156 people. Wow, he was good guess. You know, so it's uh, it's just crazy to really think about that. And um, hmm. wow. it's something that I look back on fondly. There were hard things about it. There were awesome things about it. It was a dream come true. And uh, I don't know. That's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> Overall uh, positive. Oh, you, you get wisdom when you as you go on and you 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 substitute any kind of bitterness or or, or regret with gratitude. How yes. lucky was I to get on that silly show? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's a good that's yes, I yes. I agree with your assessment. <laughs> but I, I do I enjoy when I go back there sometimes and do a guest spot. Uh, it, it it's never the same because you kind of see, but it it is a, a a one-off experience. So that's hence our little podcast, which is fun to uh, hear the human side of this to the, the sure. effect on people's lives. But anyway, you've been awesome. We don't know how to wrap things up because we're not professional. It's hard to know how to wrap things up. <laughs> it's all right. We did a good job. <laughs> yeah, we did. It's so great to see you both. You too, hon. Be well. I hope we run okay. into each other in LA. I would love it. Some club or some little theater. That'd sure, why not? <laughs> Sounds good. Oh my God, right. it's Melanie. Oh my God. Oh my God. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13, executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 